Mazi is a mindful food company that partners directly with farmer groups and small businesses in Uganda to produce unique and healthy snacks. The woman-owned business works to promote a connected community, to encourage job creation and empower workers and local value chains. In fact, according to founder Rene Dunn, the company is projected to contribute around $13 million to the Uganda economy through its better-for-use snacks. The producer's two main product lines include first-to-market, dried, never-fried plantain chips and jackfruit chews in different flavors, which are certified vegan and paleo and are naturally gluten-free, soy-free, nut-free, grain-free and dairy-free. We chat to Rene to find out more about her love of the African country and her push to share its magical ingredients with a wider audience. Where did the connection with Uganda begin? Yeah, so um, we can kind of point to two points, really. I think the first one that I didn't really know had much significance was when I was in middle school, I actually went to Uganda with my dad because he worked for the International Monetary Fund and Uganda was one of his favorite countries that he had worked in. He brought me and my brothers on a trip to East Africa, meeting with a lot of his friends. Um, and so that was sort of my first foray, but really the connection built further when I was studying abroad in college, I decided that I wanted to um, return to the region. I think a few things went into that. Um, one being that, you know, <laughs> I, I a lot of people choose Europe. A lot of people kind of go somewhere that's English speaking often. And for me, I was like, well, I'm sure I could go on a Euro trip anytime. When else am I going to have the opportunity to kind of live for four months in, in a culture that I'm not as familiar with. And so that was part of it. Um, and so when I, when I studied abroad there, I really built a connection and passion for what the people there were growing and, and the people that I'd met. Um, mm -hmm. And I then got a grant to go back and do my thesis research there. So that's kind of where it all started. Please tell me about Amazi Foods and how that all started. Sure. So I was doing my thesis research in Uganda, as I mentioned, and um, I was studying local entrepreneurship. And one thing that really struck me was that it seemed like even very, you know, high potential, ambitious entrepreneurs were not really thinking um, of ways to enter the market that we often see, for example, in the U.S., um, particularly when it comes to food products. So, you know, in the U.S. and globally, we're seeing a huge rise in the demand for healthy snacks, in the demand for plant-based options, in the demand for globally inspired flavors. And Uganda had all of these resources, but nobody was really able to value add or enter the market in ways that I thought would really promote innovation. And I also come from a background of over 10 years in the fitness and wellness industry. And so I was thinking, well, isn't there a way we could sort of mobilize and support local businesses to kind of 
learn what it would take to enter the market and, and close some of these gaps in our supply chains, which were leading to very high unemployment, you know, not a lot of local opportunities being forced to, you know, get paid commodity prices for their fruits and vegetables, lots of food waste. Um, and so I thought, hey, well, maybe we can find a way to make products that in a way that's more sustainable and create jobs for the local economy. And that's mm-hmm. sort of how how it got started. I I decided to start, you know, looking for partners there and coming up with recipes that I thought would perform well on the U.S. and the global market in this sort of healthy food, better for you sector. And that that was sort of the first inspiration. I really want to find out more about your whole setup in Uganda. But before we get to that, can you tell me about your snacks? Of course. Yeah. So my goal is to create snacks that are really simple and they're ingredient list, um, very accessible, allergen free, but not not simple in their taste. So Mm -hmm. really unique, bold, flavored sensory experiences. At the moment, we offer different tropical fruit snacks. One of the main lines is jackfruit chews. Um, Basically, we take jackfruit and spices, dry them up. They taste kind of like candy because they're so sweet. Um, And they have unique spices paired with them. So chili, lime, ginger, turmeric, things like that. Um, Really good, high in fiber and perfect for on the go. And then our plantain chips are dried and roasted instead of fried. So they're the only ones like them on the market. They are using a sweeter plantain, they have a caramelized texture, and only just three ingredients, and they don't have any of that greasy residue that you typically get with chips. So we're looking to kind of use fruits that are lesser known or have exciting flavors, and then pair them with spices and offer really snackable experiences to people. Who are the snacks targeted towards, and how have they been received? Yeah, so I think initially when I first started the business, I thought it would be this really niche demographic, you know, people who are exclusively vegan or, you know, the conscious consumer, sort of the crunchy granola people that you might think. But um, I've actually found that our demographic is mostly um, people looking to swap existing cravings for something healthier. Um, You know, people who are working from home, people who are on the go often, a lot of moms and their kids, um, we found that it's a great fit for moms who are looking for something that they will enjoy and throw in their bag, but also that they feel really confident sharing with their kids at home um, because they can kind of feel like a replacement for a fruit snack. You know, those gummy fruit snacks um, that are not as good for you or, you know, in place of a potato chip or something like that. So we found it to be a lot more people that are working and busy and just looking for healthier, better for you options um, at home. Are they only available in the States or are you hoping to spread the footprint? So we are, we're actually working on a few opportunities internationally right now. We are currently just in the U.S. market, Mm -hmm. but um, we are in conversations with folks in the U.K. as well as um, some other distributors in other countries. So I don't know how fast it'll happen, (laughs) but we are certainly targeting more than just the U.S. over time.
Please tell me about your setup in Uganda. You say that your snacks are 100% made in the country. What is your production process? Um, who's your workforce? How do you expect to contribute to the country's economy? All of that. For sure. So I think the main thing that makes our supply chain unique is that we're not only ethically sourcing, right? We're not only you know, working directly with farmers, all of whom are smallholders, we pay them all, you know, 33 to 67% above market price, which right. is incredible. Um, but beyond that, we also keep every single step of the value addition process in the country that we're sourcing from. Mm -hmm. And the, the way that works is we partner with a majority Ugandan owned facility, it's entirely Ugandan operated. Um, we do own some shares of it to ensure sort of minimizing risk as well as showing our commitment to the business so they don't ever feel like we're gonna walk away and not be their customer anymore um but essentially we've worked to build up a world-class processing facility where we train um a lot of local youth for the most part mostly women as well um to produce for the global market and uh, to adhere to global standards um and essentially we have over 40 full-time production staff with up to uh, 30 additional transient staff who help during high production periods. Um, all of the staff are paid two to three times the local wages and um, they are led by a very incredible uh, young woman there who's a food scientist, she's the production manager. Um, she's just 29 years old. Uh, mm -hmm. or 28 even. And uh, anyway, our team is, is, like I said, almost all of them are under the age of 30. So we're really trying to solve that youth unemployment gap and trying to create internal leadership uh, there within that team so that they're all kind of have opportunities to build up responsibilities and skills. And that's sort of how it works from start to finish. Made their package there and we import it and are just responsible for you know, spreading the message and opening distribution and, and making sure that people are, are learning about the snacks that we're making. That's very inspiring. Oh, what do you hope to achieve in the, say, the next five years? Um, well, I think, you know, we'd love to move, as I mentioned before, beyond just the U.S. market. Um, we're hoping to break into Europe as well. You know, we've seen uh, pretty high demand for products like ours. And I think with the proximity to, to Uganda, it certainly is a wonderful opportunity for us. Um, we hope to introduce additional product lines, which we've already started to work on, as uh, well as move into other channels. Um, we, we've also developed some products that could be sold in the ingredient and bulk space. So we're hoping uh -huh. to kind of expand our capabilities and sort of serve as a larger manufacturer for other, you know, sustainably produced goods. Um, and of course, on the impact side, you know, we expect to um, reach our current production facilities capacity in the next two to three years. And so the goal really is to kind of use this as a model of what it could look like to build a sustainable <laughs> local start mm -hmm. to finish supply chain and kind of try to expand upon that, make copies of it, um, and, and continue to really create these stable jobs 
that are also exciting and connected to an international market um, for people um, all the way from the farmers to the production level. So we hope to be adding, uh, you know, over $13 million, I think is the prediction to the Ugandan economy just in the next few years. Um, and of course, to create closer to 150 jobs as we continue to grow. So lots of ambition on that side for sure. Fantastic. Are you hoping to replicate this model in other African countries or even start your production in the U.S.? Um, yeah, so we, we I think that's a, a, a vision. You know, we would love to kind of prove what it looks like and then be able to replicate this in other developing countries where typically, you know, I think the criteria for us is like, what commonly happens in, I guess you would call them mostly developing nations or resource rich nations that are always stuck on the resource side. And Mm -hmm. they're often totally disconnected from the final goods, um, which creates a lot of inefficiencies economically, as well as, you know, both for the people and for the environment. And so I think if we're able to prove that if you provide the skills, you know, and the know-how, this is, uh, is truly a solution <laughs> for, for people in, in these local communities that are growing the fruit to actually partake in the higher value processes. Um, and so if we're able to replicate that in other countries, you know, that, that are in a similar position, um, that's certainly something that we're interested in. And I think as we continue to grow over the next couple of years, we can validate that and continue to look for partners in other countries. Apart from your local partner in Uganda, have you partnered with any other organizations or concerns on this venture? Um, I guess not uh, officially. You know, we certainly have our partnerships with our customers and and different stores and such in the U.S. And um, Mm -hmm. we do a lot of partnerships with other like-minded brands. So whether that's a cross promotion or whether that's continuing to educate consumers on our shared initiatives. We've done a lot of that. Um, We haven't done anything official, you know, on a higher level, but we have started conversations with some of the multinational organizations, you know, Feed the Future, USAID, um, um, IFAD, you know, some of these larger organizations Mm -hmm. that work toward our goals. Um, The conversations have certainly started and we think that, you know, one way which we hope we could partner in the future um, is if and when it is time to replicate this model and or build a larger facility, I think we would have had a strong proof of concept for them to come in and join us and help us, uh, you know, accomplish that. So that's sort of how we viewed those partnerships, but nothing, nothing concrete to date for sure. (laughs) what impact has the pandemic had on the business both in the states and in uganda yeah Uh, um we certainly had our fair share of uh pivots and adapting um Mm -hmm. but i'm overall very impressed with how both sides have handled things um you know one of the main things for us was that we're a very young business and we had actually just launched into our first larger distribution partnership in the U S in January of 2020. 
And that was right when this production facility was getting up and running. We had previously used, you know, kind of a third party who would package wholesale for us and we would then package it in the States. So mm-hmm. it took some time to get to where we were with this production partner and they were finally ready for their scale up. And anyway, it was, it, the pandemic could not have hit at a worse time for them because they were yeah. just getting started. And we also were just getting started with our sales, you know, to the next level. Um, and we saw a very stark drop off in retail in the beginning as a small business. We were being hit with a lot of distribution challenges wherein, you know, the buyers in the stores were not prioritizing small and new items. They were, you know, making sure that the shelves were stocked with the basics and people in the stores were not treating grocery shopping like they used to, you know, they were not perusing down the aisles or looking for something to grab and take back to the office. They were going in there with their masks and their gloves and their <laughs> lists and, and getting what they needed and leaving. And so mm. we had to really quickly think of two things. One was, okay, how are we going to drive discovery when people aren't discovering us in the store and, and B, you know, how are we going to handle this from a supply chain perspective wherein we need to keep importing a certain amount to A, make sure our cost of goods are reasonable, but B, also to help keep our partners in Uganda in business. So um, we kind of got very creative with the online markets. Um, I don't know what the equivalent would be in, in Scotland, but um, <laughs> we have a lot of we have a lot of things like Misfits Market, for example, or uh, mm-hmm. there's something called Snack Magic as well, where essentially it's an online marketplace where people are either building their snack boxes or building grocery delivery boxes, things right. like that. Um, and that was huge for us because it allowed us to move a lot of volume while simultaneously driving some discovery because people were sitting at home building the boxes anyway and looking for like items. So that's what we did to kind of make sure things kept going. We also had to switch our, our, <laughs> our logistics methods. We used to do air freight and smaller, smaller runs and, and we had to switch to um, ocean freight because it was just totally impossible <laughs> to do it from a, a price and logistics perspective. And then, on the Uganda side, they they had to shut down for a little bit of time. We were able to send over some aid um, mm-hmm. to individuals there for about a month um, because a lot of the employees at the facility, this is what they do to, to make sure they can eat and buy food for their families. And so it was really hard to tell people to stay home. <laughs> um, so we, we basically sent uh, little financial packages to to be able to support food for folks um, during the times that we were shut down. But, you know, beyond that and taking the the safety precautions necessary, we've really been able to steer back on track and we're more or less where we had first projected we would be for the year, which is really exciting. I think we definitely saw a dip in the beginning of 2020 there, but we, we were able to recover and make up for it in other areas and, and, you know, keep keep everybody healthy for the most part which obviously is the priority so um really really grateful <laughs> really grateful for that and of course 
there's never a dull moment still. We still always navigate and find new things with the world supply chain. But I actually think that this sort of model of self-manufacturing and or, you know, a more connected supply chain has actually helped us as compared to our competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are experiencing, oh, well, I get ginger from here and I get, you know, this from here and I have to import all these different components and then I have to make, you know, and I think for us, we're lucky to have created this little sustainable supply chain that kind of all exists in one, you know, 300 kilometer radius, um, you could say. And, and sure, we're still facing, you know, delays at the port of entry, for example, but it's nowhere near what we're seeing some of our competitors right. facing. And, and we also haven't seen the inflation that a lot of people have as a result of our partnerships as well. So... I think it's, it's, it was a very uh, non-traditional supply chain and, and one that took a long time to build, but mm-hmm. we're certainly seeing the benefits from a business perspective beyond just the social aspects of it now as well, which I'm, I'm certainly grateful for and I think is a strong point for us as we talk to you know investors and such. So definitely a positive thing. <laughs> How do you yeah. see the uh, snack sector panning out in next year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to continue to watch how grocery channels and grocery stores are evolving. Um, you know, it's always been a really expensive competitive space. Right. Um, and I think we're starting to see a lot of grocery stores reducing the number of that they carry or variations um, because I think so many people are still discovering things online. Like I do think some of that has shifted. Um, But I also on the flip side, don't believe that people always like, at least for me, like buying food is an experience and you still have to have that, that customer facing, you know, in-person opportunity, especially for a snack. You know, that's something that you see, you want to try it, you grab it, you eat it when you're hiking or when you're traveling or whatever it is. Um, So we certainly still have retail as a big component of our strategy, but we're seeing a growing growing, uh, part of our business as sort of those B2B marketplaces that I mentioned where people might be corporate gifting for their office spaces. People might be, you know... Uh, using a subscription program to deliver fresh produce and we can get in those boxes. Uh, so uh, things like that. I think, I guess overall, the point is that I'm just seeing a far more integrated and omni-channel approach than uh-huh. there has been previously. Um, and I think you can also no longer purely be one or the other. Like I think in the past, you know, there were a lot of brands that were like committed D to C brands. This is what we do. This is how we reach consumers. And I think even those brands are starting to see, you know, a lot of challenges in terms of the costs to do so. And, and as people get back out into the world, they don't want to be on their computer as often as they were before. So I think for us, we're really trying to find that healthy balance of, you know, being in the retail that makes sense while simultaneously being conveniently available to people through other channels. Where are your snacks available? So if you're in the U.S., we're available at Sprouts Market nationally. Mm -hmm. Um, We're also available at the Fresh Market at all locations. Um, You can find us on Amazon. You can also find us on Imperfect Foods, 
Misfits Market, Snack Magic, Hungry Harvest. These are a lot of online type uh, platforms. Um, and of course, we do have a store locator on our website, amazifoods.com. Mm -hmm. um, you can find all of our locations there as well.